Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Good morning. This is your wake-up call. Wake-up call 050, according to your word. That's right. Wake up call 050 according to your word. I'm your host, AJ, and this is the Faith for My Generation podcast. And man, am I excited that you're listening to this episode. I really appreciate it. If you're a first time listener, welcome. If you've listened more than once, welcome back. Let's go to Luke chapter one. We're going to read a couple verses in Luke chapter one concerning the announcement of Christ's birth. At the time of this recording, we're six days out from Christmas of 2022. And man, I pray that you have a awesome Christmas. If you're listening to this Monday or Tuesday or the week of this release, I pray you have an awesome Christmas with your family. I pray that you get everything that you wanted, and more importantly, you keep in complete and total focus the reason for all of this celebration, which is the fact that Christ was born of a virgin, came to this earth. He was born in flesh, dwelt among men so that he could live a sinless life, that he might pay the debt of the sins of the world, dying on our cross, filling our grave so that he might live again and forevermore and give you and I, those that believe on him, his life and His resurrection power. This is why we celebrate Christmas, and I'm thankful for that. All right, let's get into it. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and shall bring forth a son, and his name shall call excuse me, and shall call his name Jesus. Verse 32, he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month of her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Here we have in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 1, we see an angelic messenger come to Mary, the mother of Jesus. 
It's interesting, and I want us to look at a few things that we see here in this first part of Luke chapter 1. This angel comes to Mary and and gives her, let's be honest, world-changing news. But also, I mean, think about it. Put yourself in Mary's place. Here you are, uh, a young girl. You love God. I'm going to show you here a few things that I've never seen before until I was studying for this wake-up call. But Mary loved God. She was a believer. She believed in Jehovah. She knew the law of God and the word of God. And all of a sudden, this angelic messenger, uh, Gabriel, the messenger of God, comes from the throne room of heaven and comes and speaks to Mary. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. And, and tells her this news that has never been told before. Tells her this th- new thing that God is going to do in the earth as the book, the prophet of Isaiah prophesied. And we can see in the book of Isaiah where it says the Lord will do a new thing. This is the new thing that God did in the earth, that he sent forth himself. He sent forth the word became flesh and dwelt among us, that Christ Jesus, God the Son, was birthed into the earth by way of a virgin. Now, there's a couple things I want you to see. Verse 38 is what I love so much about it. Actually, verse 37, we'll start there and read it again. Luke 1 Verse 37, for with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. We can see the posture of Mary's heart. We can see where Mary's mind and heart is after she receives the instruction and the prophecy of what will take place in her body which is the power of God will overshadow her and that this baby that is will be conceived by the power of God in her will be Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, Him whom Israel is waiting for. Now, we see in verse 38, when Mary gets all the information, she gets all the you know, understanding of what will take place, she says, let it be according to your word. And that's what I want to encourage you today in this wake-up call. Let that be your prayer. Let that be my prayer. Let that be our prayer. Lord, let it be in my life. Let my life, let my marriage, let my family, my children, my church, my city, let it be according to your word. Wherever I see in your word, your commands, your instructions, your promises, your will, your desire, let that come to pass in my life. And I commit myself to hear, act, obey, and believe your word and let your word come to pass in my life. That's the posture of Mary's heart. That's why I'm, This is why I believe Mary was chosen for this. Because think about it. Mary, we, we actually talked about this on the last wake-up call, uh, God with us. We, and I mentioned that Mary and Joseph are both of the, of the lineage of David. Uh, of course, God made a promise to David and told David, if you'll, if you'll obey me and keep my commands, I will guarantee you, you'll always have a son to sit on the throne 
on your throne. Well, unfortunately, it wasn't through his natural sons, because beginning with King Solomon thereafter, many of David's sons were wicked. And God can't bless wickedness. He can't bless sin. He never has, and he's not going to change now. He cannot do it. If God were to overlook sin and to bless us, me, you, anybody, while we're in our sin, it would mean that he is unjust, and God is not unjust. He is just, he is loving, he is perfect, he is kind, he is merciful, he is good, he is righteous, he is holy. And he cannot and he will not overlook sin or bless us if we're in sin. Now, if we repent, depart from it, well, sure, the blessing of the Lord is on us. For those whose hearts are broken and contrite before him, that is a a sacrifice the Lord will not turn away. And when we humble ourselves to God and repent, he is kind, he is merciful, he is faithful, he is just to forgive us and cleanse us and restore us, the joy of our salvation, Psalms 51 verse 12 tells us. So we see here that David is given a promise, but it's not fulfilled through his natural children, but it is fulfilled through Jesus because by way of Joseph, we have the royal lineage. But here's the thing. One of the sons of David, Jeconia, God actually tells him, your sons will never sit on the throne because you've been so wicked. Okay, well, that's the lineage that Joseph is from. This is why Joseph is a stepdad. <laughs> yeah, well, more than one reason, but this is one of the reasons why Joseph is a stepdad to Jesus. Uh, the second and more important reason is Jesus could not be born of a man and a woman because if he was, then he would be like you and me, born into sin. And he couldn't be born into sin. Jesus also never sinned while he lived, but he also could not be born into sin. He had to be perfect. He had to be pure from the point of his birth, that he might become the sacrifice and the sins of the world were laid on him. But he was not birthed into sin, nor was he born of sin. Uh, Or that's the same thing, excuse me. He was not born of sin, of a human mother and father nor did he commit sin while he lived. Okay, but how do we get back to David? Well, we get it through Mary. Mary is the bloodline. David has a son named Nathan, and Mary's lineage can be traced back to King, uh, Nathan through King David, to King David. So that's how we get the fulfillment of David's promise that God made to him. See, when God makes a promise, it's going to come to pass. Isaiah 55, let me read that. Now, this is actually... Something I was thinking about earlier today and shared this as well. Isaiah 55 verse 11 tells us this. Actually, I want to start at verse 10. Isaiah 55 verse 10. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and does not return there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Verse 11. So shall my word be. That goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. It shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it. The Word of God is like a seed. The Bible tells us that over and over again. But the Word of God is also like rain. And just like rain and snow, just like precipitation falls through the ground, waters the earth, and makes forth seed, makes seeds to sprout and make the ground to bud and bring forth fruit, so does the water of the Word of God in our lives. It goes forth and it makes things happen. 
The Word of God, who is it? Charles Spurgeon said that the Word of God is like a lion. You don't need to necessarily defend it. You just need to let the lion out and it will roar and defend itself. That's how the Word of God is. Loose the Word of God. How do we do that? By obeying the Word of God, by believing the Word of God, by studying the Word of God, by committing the the flow of our life and how we live and how we operate and how we think, renewing our mind by the Word of God, confessing the Word of God, praying the Word of God, because the Word is His will, and it's going to accomplish what it's sent to do, even with King David so many hundreds, thousands of years later at this point when this angelic messenger Gabriel comes to Mary. And then Mary has the Word of God fulfilled in her life. She says plainly, simply, let it be according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. As you have spoken, let it be. Now, what's interesting is if you read Luke chapter 1, you actually, at verse 5, it begins to talk about Zacharias and Elizabeth, who are both old. They have not had children. Elizabeth is barren. She's sterile. She's not able to have a child. But why Zacharias, who is of, who's a priest, he's serving during his time to serve. They had rotations in wait and, and when these priests would serve, and there would be a certain amount of time. It's kind of like deployment with soldiers. There would be a certain amount of time that the priest would go to the temple to serve. Zacharias, his turn comes up. He's there serving in the temple. He's going before the Lord to bring incense there. There's people outside praying. He goes in to make worship before the Lord at the incense table. The angel of God stands before him, verse 13. Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your, your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will also go before him in spirit, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to the children. That's a quotation from the book of Malachi, Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. In the disobedient, to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Okay, so the angel of the Lord speaks to Zacharias. Now notice how Zacharias replies to this angel. We're going to compare it the way that Mary replied. Verse 18, And Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. You know what? Zacharias is a smart man. He plainly says, I'm an old man. And my wife is advanced in years. <laughs> he didn't tell the angel. He didn't tell Gabriel. That Gabriel, This is Gabriel as well. We see that in verse 19. He didn't tell Gabriel, I'm an old man and I'm married to an old lady. The old lady. No, he said, I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. Take note, husbands. <laughs> verse 19. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. 
And then Zacharias, if you keep reading, he's mute. He can't speak until John is born. And at the time that John's born, they want to know what they're going to name him. Well, Elizabeth says, we'll name him John. And everyone there is like, wait, you can't name him John. There's no one in your family named John. And Zacharias writes out on a tablet, his name is John. And at that point, his tongue's loosed. He can speak yet again. And then he begins to prophesy and give glory. And we see that in the end of Luke chapter 1. There's a lot that takes place in Luke chapter 1. It's also like, what, 81 verses long? Luke chapter 1 is 80 verses long. So there's a lot going on in here. Uh, good physician Luke was a was a, a great writer and sometimes a little long-winded. <laughs> but it's good. It's good. You see that take place, though, with Zacharias. What I want you to see, though, is the comparison here. You might think, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute, AJ, because I've thought this before. Wait a minute. Mary asked Gabriel, how will this happen? But she's blessed and she's praised and and she's given an answer. But when Zacharias asks Gabriel, how can this happen? He, he strikes a mute and he can't talk for nine months, a little over nine months. Well, notice, Zacharias didn't ask a question, just asking a question. Zacharias didn't believe now, it's very simple. It's very plain. When we are given, the Bible actually talks about this, that it would be better for us to be ignorant of the Word of God than to know the Word of God and, and, and not be obedient to it. Zacharias, yes, he's an old man. Yes, his wife is old. Well, I mean, uh, well advanced in years, excuse me. <laughs> She's old as well. She's barren. But Zacharias is a man of God. He's a priest. He is an instructor of the law of God. He knows the prophets and he knows the law, which means he knows of his father Abraham, who was 100 years old, and his wife Sarah, 90 years old. They believed God and they had a child. He knows of Rachel, who was barren, yet she believed God and had a child. She knows of Hannah, who was barren, yet believed God and had a child. What Zacharias doesn't believe is something that he already knows and has a head knowledge of. Because verse 19, it reveals his heart. Or excuse me, verse 20, Gabriel gives us some insight on Zacharias's heart. Verse 20, but behold, you will be mute, not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words. You did not believe my words. What Zacharias is asking is, how can this be done? And essentially, it's impossible. Oh, can I, I need you to see this. I need you to get there with me. Zacharias is saying, what you are saying, Gabriel, that me and my wife are going to have a son is impossible because we're old. But what he is saying is impossible has already been done. And not just done, but Zacharias is a teacher of the law and the prophets, which testifies that God has done what he says cannot be done. Zacharias knows the book of Psalms. He knows that children are an inheritance to the Lord. And the Lord is saying, I'm going to give you a son. And Zacharias is saying, nope, not that inheritance. Even though you give it, I'm not going to receive it. He doesn't believe it. He doesn't believe that it's possible. Yet, he has testimonies that he himself teaches 
and instructs the people of Israel concerning that shows that God can and God did. But this is where we we can fall prey to it. And in Jesus' name, you and I will not. The faithful will not fall prey to this. If you allow it to happen, what will take place is you'll have a head knowledge of faith, but not a heart level knowledge. It's Hebrews 4, 1 and 2. It's the Israelites and going into the promised land. They knew God's word in their head, but they didn't mix it with faith. So it did not profit them. It didn't carry power. Zacharias had a head knowledge of it, but it didn't get down into his heart. So that when the angel of God, Gabriel, comes and gives a divine message, and it's not just you're going to have a son, it's you're going to have John the Baptist, uh, the prophet Isaiah prophesied, prepare ye a way, you know, a voice in the wilderness crying out, prepare ye the way of the Lord. He's speaking of your son, Zacharias. Malachi speaking of the spirit of Elijah that your son will go forth in. So the difference is Zacharias is saying what God has done for others, he can't do for him. He's saying it's not possible. Now, how is that different with Mary? What took place with Mary is something, because let's be honest, Mary asked the same question. Uh, She asked the question, Verse 34, and Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I don't know a man? Verse 35, the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that holy one who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Mary asked a question, how can this happen? How will this be? But what she's asking is about something that has never taken place before ever and never has and never will. A virgin birth. What she is asking about is not something that, for what we're talking about, a promise of God. Yes, it was promised of God. It was prophesied of God, but it was a specific one-time event. It's not like, you know, for instance, a promise of prayer or Jeremiah 29, 13. And you, you know, when you seek me, you will find me. When you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. You'll call on me and seek me and with all your heart, you'll find me. Jeremiah 29, 13. I I can't help it. I I botched that up, paraphrasing it. Jeremiah 29, 13. Let me read it. Jeremiah 29, 13. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Okay, that's a promise to anyone and to everyone. If you'll seek God, you can go to James, what is it? James chapter um, chapter 4, verses, uh, what verse, um, let's see, is it verse 8 or verse 7? Let's look. Um, let's resist the devil, flee, submit to God. Let's see here. James chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Verse 8. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Notice that. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That's a promise to anybody. Seek God with all your heart, you'll find them. Draw close to God, he'll draw close to you. That is a promise to any and to all. But when Isaiah prophesies in chapter 7, a, in, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, when Isaiah prophesies, a virgin shall conceive a son, you know, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, that's a one-time specific thing on the timeline of God. That's the new thing that God's doing. 
So when Mary asks, how can this be? It's not an unbelief. It's this is something that has never happened before. And what you're saying is not just you're going to have a son. You're telling me I'm going to have a son, but I don't know a man. I'm engaged to Joseph, but we've not, we're not intimate. We don't know one another. We're not married, so obviously we're not intimate. That won't take place till after marriage. And we actually see that it's not until after Jesus is born before, before they know each other intimately, sexually. And that's the system. That's the process. You know, you go to 1 Samuel chapter 1, when Hannah believes God for a son, and Eli says to Hannah, you know, let the God of Israel grant your request. Hannah takes that as, that's my, that's my answer. I'm going to have a son. And so it says then later, you know, she goes back to her husband, Elkanah, and it says Elkanah knew her, and she conceived. And that time next year, she has the child. So there's a system. See, God has systems. God's, God has systems and processes. But this broke the system. <laughs> this birth broke the process. It happened one time, never before, never again, and this is a one instance. So Mary, when she asked a question, she asked this question. It's not an unbelief. Because Mary responds, just as you've spoken, let it come to pass in my life. Because Gabriel says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. I wanted you to see that difference because it is a, it is a question that I've said, now, wait a minute, it seems like God's being hard on Zacharias, but it's not. One was in unbelief and one was in belief. Now, notice this. She goes to visit her kinfolk, Elizabeth and John. When she gets there, the Spirit of the Lord that is on that baby in Elizabeth's womb, John, leaps the Spirit of the Lord comes on Elizabeth. She begins to bless the Lord. And she tells Mary, verse 42 of Luke 1, Then she spoke out with a loud voice, said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. By why, but why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting, referring to Mary, when she showed up, she's talking, greeted, sounded in my ears, the babe, John, leaped in my womb for joy. Notice this, verse 45. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. This is the process of faith. This is how faith works. The person that believes that which was told them from the Lord is blessed. The person that believes what God has said is blessed. The person that hears the word of the Lord and knows that with God, nothing is impossible that person's blessed. Now, when I say blessed, I mean there is a fulfillment. Blessed is she who is believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Faith produces fulfillment. Faith brings about the fulfillment of the word of the Lord. Because when I say blessed, I'm not, you know, using it in a religious sense. Oh, we're so blessed. No, I mean... Literally, when God makes a promise, you put your faith in the Lord and you live your life 
as if that thing has already come to pass, as if it is true, which it is, and you live your life around it, you act on it, you step out in faith, you believe it, you pray it, you, you commit it to your heart, you'll be blessed. And how will you be blessed? In what way will you be blessed? What you have believed will be fulfilled. That's what took place in Mary's heart. You might think, well, why Mary? Why Mary? Well, I believe, I sincerely believe the reason, you know, we see obviously she's of the right lineage, so that that had to take place because God made a promise to David. But it's kind of like Abraham. You look at Abraham. Abraham had, uh, he was of the right, the Bible talks about pedigree or bloodline. He had pure blood in that day and age where there was this mixing of blood with these fallen sons of God, as Genesis chapter 6 talks about, that took place before and after the flood of Noah. But it's more than just pure blood. God says that Abraham will teach his sons and daughters the ways of God. Because you know who else had pure blood than Abraham? Abraham's father and his grandfather and his great-grandfather because they're of the same lineage. But what set Abraham apart? God knew him and that he would teach his children the things of God. And that's what I believe with Mary. Sure, she was in the right family, but I don't think that was all that was it. You know, maybe you have more to it. Maybe maybe you know the exact reason why God chose Mary. I'm not going to say I know the exact reason, but I feel this played a large part in it. Because Mary, sure, she was of the right family to fulfill the prophecy, but that wasn't it. Because you know who else was of the right family? Her mother before that, and her mother before that grandmother, so on, her, her other relatives that are in that family that were women. But why Mary? Because she believed. She believed God. Second Chronicles 16 verse 9 says this. I'm going to read the first half of it. It says this, Second Chronicles 16 verse 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. In some translations, it says, whose heart is turned towards him. God is looking for people whose heart is loyal to him, whose heart is turned toward him. God is looking for people who are looking for him. God is looking for people whose hearts are pure and loyal and set apart to him. And that's who he will show himself mighty. He will show himself mighty in the lives of people whose hearts are turned toward him. And Mary's heart was turned toward God. Now, how do I know that? If you continue to read Luke 1, verse 46, the song of Mary, the Magnificant. uh, Excuse me. Luke 1, verse 46 begins this song of Mary. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant, and behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. Man, was she right. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and his holy and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. This song of Mary, 
there are over, there are at least, but more than, it appears, 15 Old Testament allusions and paraphrases and quotations of scriptures. There are over 15 allusions, paraphrases, and quotations of Old Testament scripture. Mary knew the word. She had the word of God in her heart. You might say, well, this was the spirit of the Lord. Maybe so, but you know, Jesus said that concerning you and I as disciples, you know, in that day, the Holy Spirit will bring to you remembrance of the things that I have taught you. Uh, Sure, the Holy Spirit can just drop something completely in your heart that you've never studied, learned, or knew before. I'm sure that can happen. But also the Holy Spirit brings back to your remembrance the things you have learned. This is why you and I, we study the Word of God, so that we can fill our heart and our minds with the Word of God, renew our mind to the Word of God, but also so that we can store in our hearts the Word of God like a, like a savings account at your bank. You put money in a savings account for when you need it in the future. We're storing up the Word of God in our hearts like a savings account so that we will have something in the account that we can withdraw from when we need it. As we fill our hearts and our mind with the Word of God, that's we're giving the Holy Spirit something to work with so that in the day that we need it, when we're speaking to someone, when we're believing God, when we're standing in faith, when we're in prayer, when we're witnessing, the Holy Spirit has something that He can bring out of that deposit, out of that account, and bring it back up to us when we have need of it. And that's what I believe took place right here. Sure, the Spirit of the Lord was on Mary, but I also believe that her heart was filled with the Word of God because I know that God is looking out all over the earth for peoples whose heart is turned toward Him. And I know this, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 tells us, But without faith it is impossible to please God, for you must believe that God is, and He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Hebrews 11, verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is, and He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. In your diligent seeking, God will reward you. How will He reward you? He will bless you by fulfilling the word that you believe. Mary was a believer. Now look, let me just make this point as well. Mary was a real woman, a real person just like you and me. Some people don't believe that. Some people believe in uh, what is called the immaculate conception. In other words, that Mary herself was sinless as well. It's not scriptural. Mary was a real woman. She was a sinner in need of a Savior. How do I know that? Luke 1 verse 47. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Mary was not sinless. There's but one sinless man, and his name is Christ Jesus. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, including very blessed, very faithful Mary. I mean, all kudos to her. She's full of faith. When she heard something that seemingly with man is impossible, she said, let it be according to me. Let it be in my life according to your word. Whatever you say, Lord, I believe it. But she wasn't sinless. But 
that I, I like that even more because there's some people, there's even an entire church that believes that, that Mary was sinless in herself. She wasn't. They also believe that, uh, you know, there were no other, she had no other children. That ain't true either. You keep on reading. See, a lot of, you know what? A lot of unscriptural things can be quickly resolved if you just read your Bible. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. If you'll just read the Bible, a lot of things that you may think of or have been passed down through tradition or hearsay, you'll find out, wait a minute, that's not right. Mary had other sons and daughters because we see Jesus' four brothers named in the Scripture, and it says that he had sisters, which means he had at least two. If you have sisters, plural, you have at least two. So there were at least six children, four sons, and at least two sisters, six siblings that Jesus had. Now, he was the only begotten of God. He was the only one by virgin birth. He was the elder brother. Joseph did not know Mary until after Jesus was born. But that's interesting. You know, you just study your Bible and a lot of things get sorted out. But Mary was full of faith. She was full of faith. I'm persuaded she was full of faith. And then she sees the promise of God come to pass in her life, Luke chapter 2, in what we call the Christmas story. Man, it's beautiful. Let your heart be filled with faith. Let our prayer and your prayer, let my prayer, your prayer, our prayer is the faithful. Let that be our prayer. Lord, let it be unto me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. Lord, even as you have spoken, let it be so in our lives. In Jesus' name. Hey, I'm so thankful for you. Make sure you tune in later this week. I'm going to have a replay of a service that I preached on December 18th. Uh, entitled Those Who Seek. It was a Christmas special service, and I'm going to uh, re- release that as a re- replay here on the podcast channel at the end of this week, so you can listen to it if you didn't get a chance to listen to it. It was really good service, I think, at least, <laughs> and uh, I enjoyed ministering it. It ministered to me as well, but it'll it'll get you into the uh, the old holly jolly cheer as we continue on this theme of Christmas. And then, of course, the next wake up call, we'll, we'll have a New Year's message concerning entering into a new year. Well, hey, I'm thankful for you. I pray that you have a blessed Christmas. And whenever you're listening to this, if you're listening to this later on in the year, I pray that your year is richly blessed as you continue to walk out the things of God in your life submitted to Him. And remember, we are the faithful. We'll see you next time. God bless you. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you, and every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.